0: Welcome to CyberCast, Decoding Today's Cyber Issues. I'm your host, Kate McAree. So we're here at SOFIC 2022 in Tampa, Florida, and joining me is Colonel Joe Pyshock. Am I saying your name correctly?
1: Absolutely got it right.
0: So do you want to start just by telling us a little bit about what you do and your role at SOCOM before we jump into questions?
1: Yeah, certainly. I'm the, uh, I am the J63, which means that I am the operations director for the for the SOCOM J6. Uh, so predominantly, we, we run the production network every day. We make sure the trains run on time, that the email flows, that there's a portal to post to, and all of those basic services that uh, SOCOM provides to our global force. So we, we think we're DOD's fourth largest network uh, in terms of numbers. Uh, well, that's about 80,000 people that consume our soft-specific services, 24 time zones, different com- commands uh, located around the world. And if there's anything that makes us maybe a little bit unique in, uh, in what we do versus the the other uh, service providers for the for the uh, for the DoD, it's that uh, we'll push things we think a little bit farther forward uh, so we may put uh, put the email right into the uh, in, into the operator if need be or allow them to reach services that otherwise would would stop at a fixed headquarters.
0: Mm-hmm. So what would you say are your top three network modernization priorities right now, and in addition to that, what are some of your top challenges?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, Certainly. Great question. And and so realize I'm answering this from the point of view of the of the ops guy, the one that's doing this stuff every day. Uh, So I think you're going to see that what I think our challenges are should line up with our CIO, Mr. Joe Tregekis, who will uh, who will give his version uh, later on this week. I think he speaks on Thursday, Uh, but this is what he and I talk about all the time. And so if it was a top three, I would say number one is taking our cloud computing capabilities from Luncheon talking points into an actual capability. So so it's we've been talking about cloud for years, but what does it really mean? And then what does it mean to a force out there? So that's a big endeavor for the entire J6 team right now, uh, trying to deliver these landing zones to make something usable for uh, for a soft operator out there on an edge. Uh, so that they can take advantage of this this brand new capability. But, of course, that means a lot of implications for how we currently do business. So I'd say that's probably my second biggest challenge, which is what does it mean for on-premise data centers? So I'm really talking infrastructure here uh, because ultimately it's easy to say you're going to be a hybrid environment that meshes with commercial cloud, but how do you manage that transition? And that transition is is definitely a challenge because now we've got to go back and reconcile decisions that were made several years ago for sustainment, for life cycle. Uh, what are we going to replace and when? And we made a plan, but it, that plan wasn't necessarily conceived with commercial cloud in mind. Uh, we didn't think of it back then. It wasn't a real capability. And so trying to figure out how we go from our current state to our future state, well, as as the ops, that's what we manage every single day, uh, and trying to build towards that future, make those smart investments. and And then I guess that third priority, which is also a challenge, is we need to rethink cybersecurity across this new environment. We know what it means to secure on-premise government networks classified as SIPR or NIPPER or top secret. We've got a playbook for that. We've got regulations. We've got all sorts of things that tell us how to do it. But now we're moving into the commercial cloud, and we're moving in at impact levels that are less than NIPPER. And so it doesn't make it worse, but it makes it different. And we've got to figure out how that goes. And that, and that collaboration, or I'm sorry, that cybersecurity challenge out there, it's one that we've got to get right. Because if we don't get it right, we overclassify the environment, we make it unusable, and so we've failed to deliver a real capability. Uh, but if we get it wrong, then we're giving away information that we don't want to. So a, a bold new space with plenty of opportunities in there for iteration and innovation with uh, with partners. Uh, anybody that's, that's willing to, uh, to help us out on that, we certainly are interested.
0: Yeah. Um, am I allowed to ask how much of network operations currently are in commercial cloud right now? Like if you can provide like a percentage breakdown or if you guys have a plan for moving more into the commercial cloud or what does that look like?
1: So I don't know that I've got a percentage off the top of my head, uh, but but SOCOM and the rest of DOD, if we've moved into and adopted the, the Office 365 and the Teams environment, well, that's a move into the commercial cloud. That's all hosted out there in the in the commercial cloud environment at the uh, at the classification of FOU, and and so you know it's 100 percent of our Nipper that's out there now. Uh, there's still some some on-premise services that uh, that we use uh, that live in, in our government data centers, but as we can, we migrate everything out in that Nipper domain. Uh, the real challenge now becomes uh, the adoption of SIPR. What do we move? How much of it? And 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 how? And then uh, really that opportunity space so that I keep coming back to are those impact levels of uh, two two and four, which allow us to share and collaborate with partners.
0: Yeah, yeah. So how important are cloud hosted collaboration tools for improving decision making and basically accomplishing the mission at the tactical edge? Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, sure. I, I think they're essential to operating with allies and partners. Contact when building a relationship, and that's what soft is. It's, it's a big part of the mission, right? Go out there and build a relationship with an ally and a partner. Keep things at the threshold below conflict. Go out there. Essentially, my terms, make a friend. You know, you don't want to make a friend when you need it. You need to make a friend now so that someday uh, it comes in handy. But that starts with the digital layer. Can I send you a text? Can I can I meet you on some kind of app? Can we figure out where to go? And and that, con- that digital contact goes on, but right now it's often on a third-party app. So can we do better going into the future? Uh, I think General Clark's uh, opening soffit comments are are instructive in this way because he used the word credibility when talking about relationships with allies and partners. So the ability to share, collaborate, communicate digitally, it's been constrained for years. And the fellas get around it because they go and use a third-party app. Uh, but I know that it doesn't help our credibility with a partner when we show up and say, Hey, we're here to train with you. We're here to operate with you, but I, I can't share anything with you digitally. So th- that's been a big gap across not just the soft force, but the conventional forces for years. So, so I think the emergence of these cloud-based collaboration tools that can be shared inside of, of an impact level that, um, that is below nipper or sipper offers us tremendous opportunity. Now it's a long way from perfect right now but it's certainly better than jumping on a third party app like Facebook or WhatsApp where we don't ultimately control that data because that complicates how we would cyber secure this and and I think that uh, having mentioned that cybersecurity it, it's going to require us to to rethink cyber uh, and do it, and do so creatively because there's a lot of there's a lot of new tools out there that I think would meet the spirit of the regulations uh, for inside of the doden mm-hmm and we've got to avoid overclassifying the environment because then it becomes unusable right. but we've got to, we've got to do our due diligence and make sure that we we secure the environment so that so that we don't give away information or that we can respond appropriately when invariably something does go wrong uh, that we just apply the the latest and greatest tools out there to manage it instead of uh, uh, instead of knee jerk reaction and let's overclassify everything and make it unusable for the future
0: Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask about that a little bit, the cybersecurity challenges with this. And you've talked about overclassification as being a big problem. And I think Avril Haines, director of ODNI, just uh, mentioned that in a hearing in Congress last week about how overclassification is like one of the biggest problems with the defense community right now and intelligence community because it prevents information sharing. And it makes it really hard for you guys to (laughs) do your jobs in a connected way. Is there anything that you're doing right now to kind of address that, or are there any strategies that you're working on to address this particular problem?
1: Uh, maybe not the specific problem of overclassification. As a as a com guy, uh, you know somebody else makes the determination as to what the information classification level is. But as the com guy, providing these collaborative environments, and then and then why I think you know all the services will say, hey, it's it's important to us. But where I think SoCOM will will, will drive on this a little bit uh, a little bit harder, maybe a little bit faster than others, is because across the globe every year we have forty or fifty J-SIT exercises, ones where where a theater will go out and do a partnered exercise with somebody somewhere and and along that way every one of those is an opportunity for iteration in this space so every single one of them is a chance to stand up another collaborative environment try it you know at scale uh, iterate on it figure out did it work for us if so let's make it a little bit better next time and so that will allow folks to make I think an informed decision as to how to better classify and not necessarily go well this is how we always did it on zippernet OK, well, we we know that that doesn't work very well for sharing with partners. Uh, but if we can go out there and, and use these sort of low threat, uh, low consequence exercises uh, aimed at operations short of conflict, then uh, then I think we can iterate and really get at some of those challenges that were addressed there.
0: Yeah, definitely. So changing gears a little bit. How important is data at the tactical edge and are you exploring artificial intelligence or other emerging technologies to help manage data at the edge?
1: certainly uh so how how important is data we've seen this for years going back to the 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 early 90s uh where global positioning systems uh, came in so so the, the data that told you where you are super important and then later on data that tells you where we think the bad guys are super important and and as we pull all that together and combined arms on that tactical edge uh, so, so we all know that data is, is super important out there and we're seeing those lessons come out, you know, open source. I follow it on Twitter in real time. What's going on between Ukraine and Russia right now? And, and we're seeing, I think, a lot of the concepts that, that the programs of record have driven on for years accelerated, uh, right in front of our eyes and then enhanced by commercial technologies to deliver, uh, what we're seeing, uh, what we're seeing in that conflict. So so capabilities such as, you know, managing UAVs, pulling in disparate, small, high definition data feeds, uh, collaboration between uh, sensors that otherwise would not have collaborated. Uh, I've seen things about applying facial recognition. And and performing functions like geolocation, which then links back to maybe a military system that's providing indirect fires. So. So, again, I know that validates a lot of the things that the program of record offices have been driving on. But because it's it's a war happening you know, to real people. Uh, they're using any means possible and they're going in this, exactly the same direction that we have for, for years and, uh, and delivering upon this. So is the data important at the edge? I would say yes. And we're watching it play out right in front of us. So now back to um, maybe the, my role is the J 63 and our role is, is a, is a part of the J six. How do we then manage that data? How do we then, how do we then protect it, catalog it? Uh, we set up the environments to do those things, but, but, yeah, wow! I can really see the potential in this going forward, uh, and why this is such a critical space—not just for uh, for for DoD in general, but for soft specifically. Uh, because I think this really does link to a hyper-enabled operator uh, who would then employ these means, and uh, and and our challenge would then be how do we employ them at a scale smaller than a service? So we're not going to bring four thousand people like an army brigade. We're going to bring you know four or five, twelve people uh, in a soft element, and so they. We will have to support more of this in a in an end to end architecture. Mm-hmm. We might not bring as many things forward. We would have to have have it reach a cloud. Uh, but let's define the cloud. Do we have to put some of the cloud forward in a government data center? That that may be possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, a cloud cap- computing capability in a, in a theater, um, and then implications for transport. For many years, it was always I need a satellite dish. Well, we're, we're seeing cell phones and. Wi-Fi and 5G and Starlink and all these all these capabilities aggregated together again playing out right now in front of our eyes in Ukraine, concepts that uh, that were not necessarily soft specific but were certainly important to soft communicators uh, to uh, to link with our operators at the edge get them the data no matter where they may be. Right. So a bit of a filibuster, but hopefully yeah. you know it answered the question because it's important to us.
0: So I just have one more question for you before we wrap up here. You're a comms guy, and you've talked a lot about the importance of data and commercial uh, cloud-hosted collaboration tools. How do you see these playing a role in JADC2, and how do you see your role as managing network operations for SOCOM in JADC2? Yeah,
1: great question. Um, My opinion, Joe Joe Pajok's opinion, JADC2, I think the services will focus on – Jad C two, combined arms, joint joint war fighting, and to go back to sort of the old levels of war, Phase three, that's where you're fighting. That's gun tube to gun tube. So I think the services are going to look at Jad C two and their main effort in it will be let's start at Phase three, America on its worst day where we have to have all of our warfighting systems linked together. I think our contribution from SOCOM is to go, okay, if that's what the services are doing, we need to be interoperable with them on America's worst day when phase three starts. Our challenge in JADC2, but our contribution to it, is then to look left of it. Let's look at phase zero, phase one, phase two. Let's look at those things left of conflict because that's sort of the soft sweet spot. That's where we're supposed to go. That's the deterrence that we're supposed to provide. So that's why maybe a... Uh, a, a shareable tool for coalition interoperability might be more important to us than it would be to a force dedicated to, you know, combine uh, um, kinetic operations in, in a shooting war. Uh, so not to say it's not important to them, but right now it's probably more important to us. And then we'll leverage those elements of JADC2 brought by the services uh, if if deterrence fails. But then we'll look left of it. Collaborative tools, sharing the use of commercial uh, uh, commercial transport, which may not be available in full kinetic operations. But when you're when you're dealing with a, a circumstance where we're invited to these exercises, we're partnering actively. Then I should be able to leverage all the aspects of uh, host nation infrastructure and transport and everything to get the best uh, the best use of uh, of the communications available to us.
0: Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much for your time this morning. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, right on. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening. Cybercast, along with GovCast and HealthCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them in your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at gcio.com.